Hello and welcome to Group Tech Talks, the podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Vigors, co-founder of Limelight Health. The title of today's podcast is The Double Entry Handoff from Quote to Enrollment and How to Eliminate uh, Multi-Entry from Sales and Underwriting Quoting to Third-Party Online Enrollment Platforms. I'm really excited uh, to have this conversation today with my guest and friend, David Reed, co-founder, uh, Ease. David, we met back in 2016, and I remember getting up early. Uh, I think we had maybe chatted before, or were emailing, and uh, got up early. We both did a demo of our products, and the rest was history. We released our integration from quote to enrollment uh, back in 2016. It's been over four years, so I believe that it was a revolutionary uh, uh integration that really is where the market's going. So uh, I would love for you, David, to introduce yourself and share about your journey. Thanks. And uh, you you guys were like uh, my first friends in San Francisco. Um, <laughs> about me, I'm, I'm, I'm 56 years old and I consider myself to be pretty much a broker to the core from Minnesota. And I moved west uh, about eight years ago. Uh, Courtney Gurton, my co-founder and I, uh, he's from Minnesota as well, but had come west uh, quite a bit earlier to San Francisco, about 10, 11 years now, I think, for him. And he's always been interested in the Silicon Valley startup uh, scene. Um, but we had an MVP uh, product out on the street for a basic enrollment tool in Minnesota that some of my old broker buddies were using. And um, in 2014, Parker Conrad was Zenefits. They had that big $50 million raise on 500 million dollar valuation and a bigger yeah. one came shortly thereafter but that told Courtney and I it was time to basically uh, bring our product to the street and on February 5th of 2015 not that long ago we made our first venture pitch on February 28th 23 days later I was spending my first night in my new home in San Francisco which was a bedroom in the back office at uh, Howard and 7th for those of you in that area who know it next to Tony Baloney's and uh, from there, we just got busy and, and a lot of things have happened. I'm sure we'll talk about it as we get through the podcast here. But um, the company that started this as uh, basically two, three of us out of my living room in Las Vegas five and a half years ago is uh, quite a bit different today. And I, I yeah. think it has a lot to do with where this business is going. The industry's hot. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, I'd even say like right now, especially in why I'm excited for this conversation is it's 2020, the virtual work landscape we find ourselves in and you know the i don't i don't see q4 being a bunch of papers you know uh for enrollments at employers these you know it's just it's a different world we're in and there's a lot of opportunity to serve uh customers employers and employees and brokers uh with the product so i'm i'm excited for the conversation i have a few um personal uh questions just to, we like to to ask our guests first just start off with a, a personal fun fact about you david um, outside of group, so nothing group insurance related. Uh, share a fun fact with us about yourself. I had kind of a late light discovery. My my mom, who was from um, family, came from England, and she was from Washington State, and her maiden name was Eaton. Uh, before she died, as as uh, dementia and Parkinson set in, we started to learn a lot more about her past, and and it turns out uh, my mom's uh, maiden name is actually Youngblood. Hmm. So I had to change all my key key things, and she was born on the uh, Cherokee Indian Reservation. So wow. I've learned here in late life that I am 50% uh, Cherokee Indian. That is amazing. Love it. It's I, one of the I, things I'm going to, when, when t I get more time on my hands after this, I, I want to learn more about it. Yeah. 
Well, I learned something. I'm going to share another fun fact about you, if you're okay with it. I, we were talking on a virtual concert. I think you had some from your team that were on our virtual concerts playing music. You know, I'm musical. And you were sharing your story about your sister, I think it was, going to Juilliard's. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you played piano growing up and, you know, all this amazing story that I, I didn't even know about. And I, I feel like the, the group insurance world needs to... Needs to, to I'm going to get on your show. I'm, I'm you know, my, my wife keeps egging me on to play more and more. And, and, uh, you know, I learned from a guy named Sonny Zarich and, and he was the, it wasn't really classical piano instruction of sheet music reading and things yeah. like that. And, um, and I sat down the other day and it amazed me how, when I took some of my lead mm -hmm. sheets that I bought on the internet of some of the old classics and things, how my fingers could still remember an F7, G7, C7. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe it. it's been over 40 years. I used to play at weddings when I was in college. So I know, same here. I did too. I did a ton of weddings playing the hammer dulcimer. And um, and uh, anyways, I just thought it was a fascinating uh, fact about you. And um, we'll have to play some music sometime soon. I don't think very many people know what a hammer dulcimer is. Well, I do, but I, yeah. I don't think it's cool. I mean, it's it's basically pianos, piano and drums put together. You have sticks. It's an ancient instrument from the zither family, strings stretched out across two bridges. But yeah, and it's like a big trapezoid. Um, there, mine has ninety-one strings. Imagine, David, you taking your piano to every gig and you have to tune every string on your piano. That's that's my life with a dulcimer. It's a problem. They remind me of steel drums. Yeah. Yeah, I, I use a delay pedal, and anyways, I have lots of fun with it. Um, so try to incorporate it in my, my in-betweens and all company meetings and virtual concerts. Okay, my next question for you, David, is what are you most passionate about in the group industry? It's an easy question for me, the role of the broker. Um, yeah. I think it's one of the roles that's more challenged, but in particularly the role of a good broker as a mm -hmm. technical expert and trusted advisor, particularly in the small business space. I think in the world of technology, and I'm the first one to say it, but we build at ease. We build a tool, not a solution. We're the hammer and screwdriver in the cap carpenter's toolbox. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, that's something that um, we built our solution around the concept that you're gonna be having an experienced pilot flying the plane. Mm -hmm. that needs to have uh, uh, everything from a simple small plane to do little puddle jumping exercises from small town to small town and occasionally needs to take out a 747 for a long flight. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference <laughs> between scaling your solutions between a two, three, four employee group all the way up to the larger groups. Now, again, in my world at ease, we are, um, you know, we're the number one rated platform for two to 250 employees. And we very, very much stay in that space. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. All right, the other question that, that I like to ask uh, our guests is uh, if there's one person, there's maybe there's lots of people that you, you admire in the group industry that you see uh, driving innovation and change, um, who's someone that you'd want to brag on? Can't be anyone on your team or anyone on our team. Uh, it's got to be someone else, a friend, you know, broker, it could be anybody that you want to just call out. Well, you know, it's, I'm going to point to somebody who I wouldn't really classify as a friend or a, or a a colleague here, but I think that they've had a big impact in the industry. And while they may not be popular among our industry, I think that they've had um, a good impact on moving the pendulum in a positive way. And that's Parker Conrad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great call. I remember our office was just right next to Zenefits in San Francisco, and I was walking down the street 
it was within you know first six to nine months and I was walking across the street from Parker and I thought wow and I went in and I said hey Parker and I, I had an agency as a broker for about 10 years too so I understood the disruption that was happening and but I appreciated him uh, for I let him know I appreciated his innovation and how it's pushed us forward uh, as an industry right right on the flip side I'd collectively recognize just like you would say you know the military as a whole I would say that broker community as a whole because I know hundreds of brokers that operate on a completely different scale. They're sure. working out of their home. They're working at servicing very small businesses yep. in smaller communities, but they're providing a tremendous amount of value to that business owner who's really not putting in sophisticated systems. I mean, 76% mm-hmm. of businesses in America have under 10 employees. And if you leave certain marketplaces today, they're not automatically full tech enabled though they're tired of forms. Nobody, I mean, I don't care where you go, no matter how low tech it is, it's pretty rare that somebody other than a doctor's office or onboarding in a small business gives you a pen and a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah, well, so I'm gonna jump in now to some questions about the topic of quote to enrollment. Uh, There's one story and actually relates to our integration that I was demoing to to, uh, a brokerage agency back in probably 2017. Um, our view now with Limelight, right, we're focused on, on solving the group carrier problems, but how they interact with brokers, how they integrate and get enrollment data flowing, sold quote data flowing to an ease. Um, it's super top of mind in all of our conversations. So, but I remember I did one demo and there was a lady there that she built out the groups in ease. And uh, she, right, then she saw the integration and saw it was probably 60 to 80% of the group was set mm-hmm. up for medical dental vision. Um, product lines, she stood up and started clapping in this meeting. And just because that, you know, she's thinking, wow, this efficiency for me where, you know, you build a group, but to see the data flow, I mean, that's, that, that's a big deal. And her response, I was, I'll never forget it. And uh, I mean, that's what this conversation's about. This conversation's about the value and the efficiency and the customer experience um, to let data flow, you've got quotes flow in, in one system, and, and if you let them flow and make it bring down the barrier to entry, uh, whether it's a carrier use case, a GA, a broker, just to make it so easy. And when it's Q4 and you've got 200 groups, right, that, that's a lot uh, of effort across the board. And I know you guys at Ease are helping solve those problems too. It's a big part of the bottleneck when you've got such high volume, you know, in, in Q4. So that's, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, I'd love, David, for you to help us. We're, we're going to take a 360-degree view um, and talk about a few pointed questions and then look at the employee view. Like, how is this employee uh, viewing this experience, whether it's paper or whether it's online? Um, and they are the why. They're the why we exist in this industry. They are the the end consumer that gets the benefits, and that's why we're in this business. And we should probably give them an amazing experience, just like we get on Amazon and every other technology that we're, it's in our lives. The employer is the why, that's the customer too. And then we've got the broker role and the carrier role. So how are they all looking at this quote to enrollment challenge and potential uh, integration value proposition? So um, I'm gonna let you, I'm just maybe gonna open it up, you know, your perspectives on key differences when you think about these stakeholders uh, in, this, in this experience today. Well, you, you make a good distinction here, and, and um, 
So many of the solutions that I've seen, so like I said, I've, I'm 56. I've been in this business now for over 30 years, and I started working for um, John Alden, an insurance carrier, then Lincoln National, then became a broker, then gravitated to the tech side. So I've, I've been pretty much tied to this the whole time and seen all of these and, and, and been a user of this stuff. So I've, yeah, I've embraced yeah. it. And one of, the, one of the things I'd say is that the orientation typically has been that the customer, at least for the solutions that are being deployed by brokers, um, stops at the broker. You know, so many of these group admin platforms were yeah. really designed to provide a level of functionality to take care of all the needs of the broker um, for um, running proposals, um, enrolling their groups during open enrollment, or possibly doing the tail, the termination ads, uh, uh, life event services for the customers. But I'm like you in that, and at, at ease, I don't want this taken the wrong way, but we view the customer as the employer slash employee. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there's a bit of a dynamic and, and that brokers are really our go-to market, our moat, our distributions uh, partner in this whole thing. And they're a very important part of it because the market we serve, they are a critical link. But one of the things that we try to tell brokers is that you need to look at this technology solution as one where your customer and your employees are the uh, now the end customer. Yep. For example, um, I think the days of producing paper packets with a, a 30 page staple collection of benefit summaries, along with a word document narrative describing the benefits. It was great when I was a broker 20 years ago, mm -hmm. yeah. um, but today that's dead. It's a mobile app. Yeah. If, if, if the solution cannot go mobile, it's already dead. And that's going to uh, increase faster and faster. Um, over time. And to that extent, we're talking about an employee being the customer here, yep. you know. Um, and then the other distinction, I, I, when I say the employer slash employee, so we've got um, um, over um, 70,000 employers on our platform. And about half of those employers have under 10 employees. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that the way businesses operate in the what I call the micro market under 10 versus the 10 to 250, uh, it, particularly, let's say the, the 10 to 50, the 50, it's very, very different. Yeah. And what I mean by this is this, that as groups get larger, 10, 15, 20, it's not that big these days, more and more the employee is the customer. If, yeah. if, if the employee is happy with the experience, that's important to the employer. And that's a new, that's a new thing yeah. that's going on. Yeah. I think that's new. Yeah. Well, I, so, you know, since we started, six years ago at limelight right where our our main you know customer for our first product which was a native ipad uh was selling to brokers right and that's where we had the overlap with mutual customers now as we're working with with the carriers looking at that broker as the customer so i'm always talking about hey carrier you've got all these products you know you need to get them to the end the end customer right but but this broker is your customer they're gonna have an experience and how do they get a quote, right? How do they do an enrollment? How, so my, you know, what I'm seeing is, you know, how can the broker as the customer have the best experience, whether it's, you know, connecting to their, to their Ben admin, if we can help alleviate and make that an efficient experience. I mean, there's just a lot of opportunity to, to um, provide some holistic value to that broker customer from the carrier's perspective, which is not just, Hey, you can run a quote. Um, but it's, hey, you can run a quote if you want to. We can collaborate together with technology and uh, we, we can get a sole proposal and that can flow into ease, right? I mean, that and mm -hmm. it can flow back after. I mean, there's just such 
an incredible value, uh, that value chain uh, proposition for all involved. And I believe it's part of what's going to really help drive the, 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 the number of online groups that are enrolling online. Like for Q4 this year, what do you think based on 2020, how much of a spike do you think there will be based on, you know, COVID and the virtual work landscape? Like, do you think it's going to be a little bump up or is it going to be dramatic? This might surprise you, but we run surveys on this. Um, and um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be very dramatic. First of all, there's going to be, let's just, let's just say there were two groups out there two groups of employers. Those who like many, what a lot is going on is no rate changes. As you probably see a lot of people yeah, are just yeah. issuing rate checks for the year and, 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 and people are kind of happy accepting the status quo to just, you know, I mean, it's the, that's going to happen. So I think there's going to be that kind of a pool going on. Now the pool that's going to be moving or making any changes, I think it's going to be virtually hundred percent digital. And I actually think it's going to be a bad wake up call for some where, yeah. They find that everything, it never really happens so quickly where they get the call on a broker or record letter that says, you know what, we just thought we were going to hold, but we got a quote and the rate was lower and this broker said we could just do it all online. And, 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 and that the impact of that type of thing is going to be like never that we've seen before because you have two combinations of things happening. One is people are under extraordinary cost pressures. Yes. And the inability to... Um, um, do a traditional, you know, enrollment. It's just a different kind of a world. So mm -hmm. like just from statistics, we in our survey found that from our broker current users, that 90% have said that they're going to put significantly more of their clients on ease because of the COVID event where they used yeah. to say, you know, we don't necessarily have to digitize these groups. Nothing's happening. Now they're saying, you know what, we just need to digitize almost everything because it's mm -hmm. the way our own offices mm -hmm. interacting among each other from our homes yeah. right now. And a lot of this is going to stick around because let's be realistic. The employer that can master work at home, it may not be a total replacement, but yeah. this will cause work at home and that'll impact us as brokers, but also our customers. The other is uh, we surveyed 500 employers and 90%, 90% said that they would be willing to consider changing brokers if their new broker offered them a digital solution. And across our brokers, they're saying in talking to new prospects now, 70% of the time employers are asking about digital solutions as part of their service package. Yeah. So this is all, I'm talking since April to now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, what that, that, that sums it up. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's going to happen. And, uh, the, I feel as a, a part of my why, right. To, to ultimately serve this end consumer is that I want to make it as easy as possible for that employee and or employer to have an online experience. So when I, you know, place myself within this carrier internal ecosystem of, of quotes and, and rating, um, making that available, making it easy is going to help lower the, the bar to entry, if you will. And we can't make it, we have to make it as easy as possible um, because of, I think, the tidal wave that's coming. And, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see uh, what it, what it, um, what it looks like this fourth quarter. But I'm, I'm excited that you are here and that there is a growing ecosystem of online platforms from small, mid, large, national uh, account size to uh, support uh, in this new this new landscape we're in. Well, it is. And when you consider the, um, 
there's also these, these, these kind of synergistic impacts on how everything works that I think everybody who's in the ecosystem needs to be conscious of. And I'll give you an example of that, which is where, uh, let's say in the COVID environment between the broker and the group administrator and your various group reps that you're able to um, get an updated census, request quotes, put a comparison together and Zoom and meet on that. You know what I mean? Okay, right. let's see. Right. Yeah. Well, that's one thing. But now to be able to deploy whatever is decided from that to 75 or 150 employees or 30 employees, or let's say 15 different small employers with 10, 10 different, that's another ball game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the type of solution that comes in to that, um, that's going to solve that problem is also going to solve the whole end to end solution. That's what I mean about this kind of synergy. So like if you've been somebody who thinks that you can get by doing what you're doing now, there's an element, there's a point of entry where somebody's going to come in, but their entry point is also going to present them a better total solution yeah. that magnifies things like the, um, like, like how frictionless it is for an employer to be able to easily get updated, um, not just quotes, but renewals. Yeah. So that's yeah. one of the things when we yeah. talk about in quoting technology, I, I think is underestimated is the, the you know, in, 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 well, everybody wins, but in many ways, the incumbent carrier is the biggest winner because I can show you, st there is a lot of evidence that would say that the ability to deliver renewals in a very low friction way, yeah. um, um, cause it's not always about being the cheapest. Yeah. It's value, yeah. you know, yeah. and if you're the totally incumbent, agree. you don't have to be the cheapest. If you're providing a good experience, you simply need to be competitive. Yep. That's my opinion. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I am tracking and I agree and, uh, it's good insight. Um, what do you think? Uh, well, one question I wanted to ask, it's off the script a bit, um, as you're talking, what made you want to focus on the under you know, under 200, under 250 versus when you look at the 250, 500, 1,000, and you, there's specific players, right? Uh, ben Admins that are serving in that market. What was it for you? And when you looked at the market of focusing on this, this smaller market? I didn't know what this meant until I was well into the venture road, what people call a purpose-driven founder. You know, like I found out in Silicon Valley, people actually come up and try to go find a founder and build a business and figure out what problem they're going to solve and they go at it. And um, so I was a broker who worked in the small group space. And the very first solution I had was a Microsoft Access database that was networked. And it nice. was uh, in, in the state of Minnesota in 96, they went to, this will sound familiar, guaranteed issue, yeah. no pre-existing conditions, filed rates in, in five-year age bands. And you could issue the rates plus or minus 25% of the quoted rate. And you got paid a flat 19 bucks a head. <laughs> it was kind of like ACA 25 years ago. So that's what I grew up in. And I wrote, and, and there, at the time there were four carriers uh, Blue Cross Medica Health Partners preferred one. There's still the dominant carriers in that marketplace, Medica being the UHC uh, 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 solution there, UHC's base there. But uh, there were 54 different plans, a small group among them, and I created a database that would let you off a single census run a quote. Yeah. You know, and that was kind of the beginning of um, what eventually led to ease. And then a forms mapping tool that would uh, allow off of one wizard to map the health questions of all four apps so you could competitively yeah. shop your, your, your benefits. So, so I got into this by solving a problem I had. Cause like when I was at the time I did this, I was like 28 years old, 29, 
eight years old yeah. or something. Yeah. And um, so I was new in the business and I was looking for ways to differentiate myself. I'll tell you, my nickname, they nicknamed me Rate Hack Reed because I quoted everything all the time and everywhere, <laughs> you know? And I said, hey, I'll, you know what? I'll hide behind the lowest quote and I will beat you 99 out of 100 times. Because yeah. to me, that's just one of the table stakes of the game is to not get beat yeah. in marketing and, and, and getting at the rates. So that was a core part of my strategy as a broker early, early on. And um, um, so the reason I was, I stayed in small group is because I, I've, 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 I really see, um, I don't think it's going away. I think sure. that, you know, 76% of businesses have under 10, 85% have under 15, mm -hmm. 98% have under a hundred. It is the backbone of this country's economy and that's not going to go away. Small business owners, I don't care if you're 25 or if you're 75, certainly they modernize, but yeah. there are characteristics of a small business owner that will just, just never go away. Mm -hmm. And that um, as you're a small business, you're running your business, not benefits and you're not big enough to have a department you know what i mean as your company gets yeah. big enough and you have hr and everything and i think that all of those characteristics are going to forever stay in place and and yeah. so i think that that market's going to go what i do think has changed is this um when i i used to talk to brokers when we first started going to california they'd say i can't afford to do like a 15 life group it's like 15 lives, you know, 40 bucks a head, you know, that's nine. That, I don't know why you couldn't afford it. Cause like when I was in Minnesota as yeah. a broker, I'd go on my appointment scheduled 90 minutes apart. I'd have an 8 AM a nine 30, you know, hour meeting, half hour drive, hour meeting. It was plenty of time. Mm -hmm. And then I remember I had, to, I had a meeting at uh, Warner Pacific and I was meeting a, a, another operation down in Santa Monica. And when I, when they asked me, when I was leaving at like three where I was going, I said, oh, I've got a 345 down in Santa Monica. And they laughed at me. I could have walked there faster. <laughs> so um, I, if you're lucky to see two small groups in, 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 a, in a busy market like that face to face. And so here's what's changed is about this. One, technology now allows you to work with small groups in a way that you could never have before. Yep. And two, the small business owner doesn't expect you to be there physically. They want really good service. They want expertise. I'll go to my grave arguing that the broker will always win based on expertise. At the end of the day, that's their biggest superpower is their expertise, the local market knowledge, the product knowledge, all the options like these direct to employer entities, no matter how good all the stuff is, they roll out. Name me a DTE, and I can count on two or three fingers the options they're offering their employees, mm -hmm. employers 99% of the time. You know, it's, it's just it's a standard playbook. Um, and this is where the broker can excel. This is where the broker excels. Yep. But uh, what they need to do is bring modern tools to the modern buyer and the modern reality. And now COVID has compounded this yep. exponentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what would be one thing... Um, one or two things that you think, you know, what can a carrier do to, uh, to provide more value to their broker customer uh, and, and to their employer and employee customers? What are some, th as it relates to this challenge and this, this mm -hmm. potential uh, opportunity? Well, we're, we're in, I think that, you know, we've got Ease Connect Plus and we work with carriers and we're about as, I think, connected in small group as pretty much anybody out there when it comes right down to doing real connections with mm -hmm. uh, out of thing. And the challenges we face um, 
and I can recognize how carriers have them. One is um, most are quite large, so it's difficult to necessarily um, create solutions as quickly as maybe the market's demanding. So I'm seeing more carriers look to uh, partnerships um, to help solve this problem. Um, second is, um, and I see this happening quite quickly, very quickly, is the move away from things like um, EDI and, and even more antiquated um, methodologies to uh, modern APIs as a method, um, which um, it can be challenging as people do launch their initial APIs. I'm sure you go through the same experience that we have with, with yep. trading partners. Um, but as that process matures, it is, I think, clearly, clearly going to change the landscape of how all of this works. Um, yeah. In, so when in between ease and when I was a broker, my brokerage, like many, was acquired by Gallagher, but I, my partner and I started a company called Apprise Technology, which is essentially an EDI firm in Minnesota that was deploying Benefits Connect. We were early, early Benefits Connect user. The product was actually written by a college guy in, in, in Minnesota, and that's how I knew about it there. Um, but it was a lot of, it was EDI. It was all EDI. And... Um, when you're trading files back and forth mm -hmm. and changes can be made at multiple input points, you have a lot of discrepancy reconciliation. And it's challenging enough when you're working with um, small or large or mid-sized employers, but when you're working with small groups, whereas we're talking about small businesses, yep. they don't have an HR administrator that gets a weekly EDI discrepancy report. Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and in the world of small group, because of the low activity, the frequency of those types of events are so low that it's doubtful that you could really in mass scale uh, training and education for small employers to be able to handle that on their own. And um, some newer technology API in particular um, changes that. And so yeah. that requires carriers to accept it from a business standpoint. Um, sometimes, you know, we're in a conversation where they might say, um, we have um, all of our enrollments, say, keyed in overseas, and it costs us, you know, some ridiculously low number. Um, you know, th those types of obstacles to the thinking of adopting this type of technology yeah. suite, yeah. which is a core functionality of the entire consumer experience, is one that will will be um, welcome to see all go through. And, and it's yeah. it's it's not all carriers that have embraced this. Some have yeah. clearly, some have. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely concur. I mean, it's varying um, levels of, of transformation that's happened. And I always liken it to, you know, carriers have to modernize internally so that, so that they can actually integrate with the ecosystem and provide the ultimate value, right? Data's got, you can't just have an internal legacy ecosystem uh, alone. It's legacy plus modern, but you've, data's got to flow. Um, and I have a lot of conversations uh, with with carriers that you know are placing more priority, more value on getting the enrolled census obviously back from yes. in ease, right? Versus this whole get the sold quote set up, but both have value. And you know, I think maybe there's a little bit value, maybe more on the carrier getting it back, but getting it set up, maybe the broker like that's more of their job to do that work because it's thrown over the wall to to the broker to set it up to enroll. And then it's thrown back over the wall. So, um, but really both need to, well, need there's to the, be flowing. There's, you know, the value to the carrier too, and it's one that we try to represent. It's it's more than just getting enrollment information back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's 
there's a number of things that can can happen. One is at scale, um, you can learn a lot about your customers, you know, when, yeah. when you're able to get the information this way. Um, you know, traditionally, when you look at insurance products, why, 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 why is group buying different than an individual? Well, with group, you don't have, let's say, adverse selection in the same way you do with individual. That when you're hired, you can enroll in any of the benefits without any questions. If you have a qualifying event, typically you could add some more life insurance or something yep. like that. Yep. But these quali- these events, because of the lack of technology, are limited to things like having a baby or getting hired. Yep. Now, as an insurance carrier, I can't tell you who your best customer is, but I'm sure they know when events happen that they could talk to that person or better yet, serve them up a proposal because all of the necessary data is available and they know an event is like they changed a dress so they got a new house homeowners insurance you know child um not finding out 30 40 days after but because the it's integrated with the health plan and the health plan moments after the birth of the child have enrolled the child on the medical plan and we know that you know and they could offer them via as i said before the key is the mobile device a mobile offer because they have everything necessary to enroll they just have to hit the easy button and say i'll take it yeah i mean this is this is tomorrow we're yep. this is where we want to go with this kind of technology yeah. in our carrier partnerships yep well you're it's you're perfectly segueing into the the last big question which is imagine a world the imagine a world question the future landscape if you can if, if we could wave a magic wand you're you just started kind of waving it as you were talking mm-hmm. um so I, i'll let you answer and then I, i'll maybe throw some some um magic wand waving but you know where do you see us in, in 25 2025 2030 what's what's going to be the norm what's going to be the the status quo in five to ten years so like bill gates said you overestimate what will happen in two years and underestimate 10 years you know and think yeah. of the smartphone as an example of that right and the issue of whether or not small group group in general will be digitized or not in a what it looks like exactly i don't know but what it doesn't look like, which is what it looks like most of the time now, it won't look like that at all anymore. Yeah. It's going to be one of these uh, missions across there. And I call it crossing the bridge. And, and that's what we look at at customer success here is that there is no broker that we work with at ease that once they've used it regularly enough that they're proficient, wouldn't tell you it's far easier than doing it the old way and they wouldn't imagine doing it any other way. And virtually their entire book gets digitized and they never say, this is the worst thing I ever did. I'm going to go back to forms. It was so much better when we drive out there and pick them up personally and sit in the conference room for a few hours and call the employee, you know, none of that kind of thing. So if I could wave the wand, it would be getting everybody over the bridge. Yeah. Once they cross it, they don't go back. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and, and the other big thing I would say is I think that brokers need to understand is the importance of, you don't know where the marketplace is going to be going and the expertise is your superpower and your most valuable asset is your trusted client relationship. You don't want to give that up. You might be selling medical insurance today, but let's say there was a day where they weren't selling medical insurance anymore for whatever reason, you still have this trusted client relationship where everything from soup to nuts when you're dealing with small businesses and as the employees become the customer because they're accustomed to using the mobile application that's provided by you for all the benefits and getting their rates and options and things that we've discussed now, 
will have the ability to contain all kinds of things that it doesn't today. Yeah. And that assumes that you as the broker are controlling that onboarding process with the employees. And so it's very important. It's a key part of the broker relationship with the employer. You're not just selling them a group insurance plan. You're onboarding their employees. Yep. Yeah. Well, when I, uh, when I wave, when I make wave my wand, I, I tend to, you know, I remember five, six years ago, uh, yeah, five, six years ago, uh, when we first, you know, started integrating with Ease, formerly Ease Central, um, I, I would talk to sales reps or, you know, GA sales rep or carrier sales rep and, or talk to a broker. And, and the way that I would demo both, you know, together would be imagine this world where you've got sliders and dials to show quotes in real time. You're not, you don't have a printed binder for quotes. Um, you're not lost in some spreadsheet and you hit one wrong number and all of a sudden your numbers are off and you've got pro bigger problems. You met, you know, contribution strategy down to the employee key. You know, that, that's the, a lot of the user experience we have to make a good decision. But to say, this is what you want. Yes, this is what I want. Boom, sold. Push it. Here's these. Oh, you enroll with paper today? Well, let me just show you. Here's your key employee and here's his experience right here. With their, You want to look at your information? It's right here. I mean, in a sales meeting, I always, you know, I dreamt that that could be the norm. Um, and, you know, I feel like uh, in, in getting people on a, a Skype right back then, it was just, you know, never were we going to meet with an employer. Now it's happening. And so I, I see the yeah. movement um, to provide real time answers to questions and not schedule another meeting. And so I'm really excited where I think that's like right around the corner. It's even happening now. Um, but, but I imagine a world where a broker as the customer of the carrier can log in uh, and to a carrier's experience, and they can click to connect with their Ben Admin. Hey, this is the Ben Admin I'm using. You've got options. Boom, I click with ease. Anything that's quoted from this carrier's uh, platform, it's all going to flow there. Um, that's the world that I see, and it's obviously the data is going to flow back. There's so much power with this integration. I mean, when you've got millions and millions of lives on your platform, all that census data, I mean, it's all structured data to run a quote. And having well, APIs available for quoting, and I mean, there's a lot of potential. well, if it's all if it's all current, imagine as a broker, you've got your clients A to Z, and you're scrolling through the screen, click, 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 and at the top, there's a grid showing the monthly premium mm -hmm. for six different carriers. Click, instant quote. It's all just being instantly calculated because everything in the connectivity is there to make that possible. Yeah. Yeah, I, the quoting APIs is another big topic that I'm spending a lot of time, you know, headless, right? We've got more digital brokers that have their own quoting system. They just need APIs. They want to get quotes for their, with their key partner carriers. Um, and for those APIs to plug in these rates and populate the user experience, wherever it is externally, sure. to drive a beautiful experience. I mean, that's, that's where we're going. And I'm excited that uh, we're both going to be there uh, along for the ride and serving, serving the industry. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us in for a landing, and I want to um, give you the opportunity, David. It's been great to have you on, and I love connecting with you. I love always hearing the stories and stats, and you're living in the trenches. I've seen you for five years live in the trench uh, across the country um, at every Nahu meeting and just every everything from California, New York, all, all over. Um, it's been an amazing uh, experience to connect with you and and see your growth. Um, where, where, what's one thing you want to leave us with? Um, anything exciting that you're working on right now? Anything to point people to? Um, 
Well, we got a new world coming. If I was going to say anything about me personally, I, I, I actually have a book coming out. I believe nice. it's going to hit before the end of the year. It's the digital broker. And it's um, basically my observations about the industry and, and what I would consider my plate. You know, I wouldn't mind being a broker again. I don't plan to be a broker again. It's too late to get into it. But if I was going to do something all over again, it would be a broker. And this is how I'd go at it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, um, we're going to get this podcast posted, and I really appreciate you being on the show, David. And um, let's do this again sometime, and uh, have a great day. Stay safe, buddy. All right, you too. Take care. Bye. Bye.